We Saw a Thing is a movie podcast about remakes and sequels. We saw a thing and talked about it. The following conversation has been edited for brevity. I'm cracking open a peace tea. Let's do this. What? I am so jealous that you have a peace tea. I have no peace tea. Dude, get on it. (sighs) I need a peace tea. That's what needs to happen. We, uh, We should get peace tea to sponsor the podcast. Here we go. Ready? Yes. Listen to it. Oh, it's a good sound. Peace tea. Yeah. It's what ails you. <laughs> Cures all what ails you. But also, what ails you? Because so much sugar. Because <laughs> so much sugar. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do love me some peace tea. It's, uh, it's freaking delish. And if you're listening and you're like, oh, what's peace tea? You got to get on it. Is what yeah, you, you gotta do. get on it. You, you gotta find out for yourself what the peace tea is all about. Peace tea tastes like friendship. It, it really does. You know, peace tea is the friendship that brings us all together. And, you know, for a while when we play board games on Friday nights, we always stopped by for a couple of peace teas before our games. I loved it. That's right. Because we, you know, we must stick to our disgusting diet. <laughs> <laughs> because when board gaming, crack your peace tea, you make sure that you. Have your uh, your what, what the the old Dutch? There was this kind of old Dutch that you got though. Yeah, it's the old Dutch barbecue chips. When I was living in Ontario, uh, the old Dutch barbecue specifically was very hard to come by. But uh, old Dutch barbecue out in BC, where I grew up, that was like a staple chip. See, I always went with uh, with with like the Lay's barbecue chips here, which are really really thin. They're so thin. The Lay's barbecue is good. It's like a good second option if you can't find the old Dutch barbecue. There's something about those old Dutch. And when I was a kid, you can still find them, but it was more common when I was a kid. You could get them in a box and it came with like two kind of like semi-transparent bags. Ooh. Total in the two bags is probably the same as you would get in like a regular large bag of chips. But it always felt good to like have a second bag of chips that you knew and your mind was there for later. What's the good second option between these two movies we watched. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> I hated the Stallone version. Okay. It took me four separate sittings to get through it. Uh, what about you? <laughs> All right. This is going to sound really weird because the Stallone version is certainly the worst of the two versions. You know, if I was basically like deciding on what movie is worse, I know that the Get Carter from 2000 is worse than the Get Carter from 1971. But the thing is, Chris, I think I still liked it better. I enjoyed my time more with the 2000 version than the 70s version. What I'm learning is I do not like 1970s Michael Caine. (laughs) Yeah, Michael Caine was a weird choice for that character because I didn't really totally buy him as like this uh, bloodthirsty badass, I guess. I don't know. What I'm learning is the ladies man, Michael Caine, is not what I pay for admission. I don't care about it. I never need to see it again. I think we've exhausted, well, there is one more 70s Kane with a remake, and he is certainly a ladies' man that we might want to dive into at some point on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> just so we can say we did the trifecta. Okay. But I gotta say, like, at least Stallone delivered this. It, like, it's so bizarrely of its time. Like, everything about the 2000 version of Get Carter 
is so deeply rooted in 1999 and 2000 when it was shot that it's like a goddamn time machine. Yeah, I looked up this director because I don't really know anything about him. And uh, weirdly, on IMDb, what he's known for first is this Get Carter and second is Sons of Anarchy. And the second I saw that, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it certainly does. <laughs> yeah, that, that checks out. On the movie front, he hasn't done anything like his, his other most popular film is Boogeyman. So... He's not a, like, well-versed director, but I have to say, holy shit, this, the way this film is edited, the way this film sounds, the music they choose, the way that they do everything, he must have thought he was the most stylish director of the year 2000, because this is a rave on more ecstasy, the potent drugs of the future, like, Fentanyl had come and like <laughs> destroyed his rave or something. I don't know. It's so bizarre to look at, but I can't look away. Yeah, I will say that I I do enjoy a Tyler Bates soundtrack. He'd also did Guardians and John Wick, and I do enjoy him as a as a guy who makes soundtracks. <laughs> Seeing his name in the opening credits and hearing some of the like throwback to the original score, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was cool, especially like in the opening. Thank you. That was so cool i was so excited it was really cool yeah and it got me excited for the movie (laughs) that was it that was it yeah it got me thinking because like the original i kept writing in my notes i don't know why i'm enjoying this so much i turned it on and it was like it just fully pulled me in oh wow and even though i didn't really buy michael kane as this character and i don't ever really buy him as a ladies man and i don't really buy him as just this like black and white morality and and just beating guys to a pulp like i don't buy him as that character he's still a great actor and so i always enjoy him in things and so I guess I forgave it a little bit, but like I kept writing in my notes, I don't know what's happening and I don't care that I don't know what's happening and I don't understand why I'm enjoying it so much. Okay, I de- I'm with you on that last bit. I still don't understand why I enjoyed it as much as I did, but I really loved it. For me, like good ideas abound, but like pulled off in the least interesting ways, in, in my opinion, like I was bored. Hmm. Like, I was so bored that I don't even know what the finale was trying to say. Like, I I genuinely was like, well, on to the next one. And then I found out that the next one has a lot more to say. And I felt like Stallone's version had less to say because I feel like in the Stallone version, we were really, really trying very hard to make him a sympathetic character. I would disagree because I think... They are trying to talk a lot more about rape culture in the 2000 version than they are about Get Carter in the 70s version. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with you there. I just think that we spent a lot more time trying to make Stallone's version of the character a little bit more likable. Which is which is weird because he has completely destroyed his family in his absence. Absolutely. I think that I enjoyed the character more for being a little bit more purely kind of a bad guy in the original. And I just don't like Stallone. I think I don't have forgiveness in my heart for his acting. And and I know that that bothers you. Yes, it <laughs> certainly does. I never enjoy him in anything. I certainly didn't enjoy him in this. Like, there were other characters that I thought were interesting. Like, Rachel Lee Cook, I... 
I never I think I always think she's passively okay. Alan Cumming, his introduction th- scene, I thought he was great in that introduction scene, and then the scene where he's like begging for his life. I thought he was brilliant in both of those scenes, and the rest of it, it's like he phoned it in. This is a really weird thing. But I felt like the cast stood out more in the 2000 version. I completely agree. I was having a really easy time following what they were trying to say and what was going on in the 2000 version. Whereas because everything meandered through the 70s version, it just took a really long time to meet everybody. So then it took a really long time to get to the action, which took a really long time to get to the idea that like the niece was in a porno. So let's kill everyone. And I don't even know if she was in a porno because she was drugged or because of any of that. That is what they explore in the 2000 version with Stallone. And I think that's where we get the sympathetic Stallone character. I mean, it just makes more like the story feels to me to get to the point and understand that its characters more in the original in the remake, even though Michael Caine is cast in both. That was super bizarre, like watching these movies back to back, even though it did take me four sittings to get through the new version. But I did start it right after I finished the 70s version. Seeing Michael Caine show up in both was bizarre. Really weird because he's the villain in the in the the remake. Like, it was also a bizarre choice that Michael Caine, spoilers, I, I, I don't know why you're listening if you didn't watch the movies uh, up to this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> spoilers, the podcast. Like, Michael Caine dies at the end of the original, and Stallone does not. I wanted to ask you about that in the original because um, he has that phone call where he says, well, I want the guy to show up at a specific time. So did he plan his own assassination? Because that's kind of the thought process that I had. That's what I got to. And I was like, but why? Okay. Like you haven't shown me a reason why this guy doesn't want to keep going. Yeah. And, and then I was like, well, maybe I miss, like, maybe I'm not thinking maybe that was so the other guy would shoot the other guy or like, had his back or something. But then I'm like, that makes no damn sense because why didn't he show up earlier? And 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 clearly Carter does not need any help with this guy at all. So <laughs> he's basically like going on the longest foot run until this guy collapses. Oh my God. Which also, I'm sorry, that's not a very interesting climax. Just running for two full minutes <laughs> until one of the guys collapses. And we're hoping it's going to be the guy he's been after the whole time. I just want to go back to a second because you had said uh, earlier that that you think that the 2000s get Carter, that the director was like, this has got to be the most stylish thing ever. Because I have written in my notes here that it seemed as if it was like baby's first cinematography. Because like <laughs> there was all those like weird flashes. There were Dutch angles everywhere for no good goddamn reason at all. It was so chaotic. And so poorly filmed. Filmed. Like pounding in your brain. Yeah, it was so poorly filmed. But but why would you do all that stuff if you weren't thinking in your head like, yes, this is pushing the envelope. This is what people want to see. That's the thing that drove me nuts about it is because like in the original, I kept thinking, wow, what a great camera angle. Wow, that's so cool. Wow, I love the way the camera is informing this scene. I love the camera placement. I love the camera placement. I love the camera placement. And then we get to the 2000s and I'm like, really? A Dutch angle? He just walked through a door. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no point... (laughs) There's no point where you're saying this. 
Oh man, like the camera placement. The camera placement is sometimes two inches from the guy's face. It's like, are you sure you're close enough? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Are you sure you're close enough here? And we also had those moments during action scenes where there'd be a flash of light, but then also when he's leaving the cemetery at the end, we get those same moments of flashes of light as he's like getting into the car and shifting gears and driving away. Oh, the most dramatic sitting on a train ever. Oh my God. It was so <laughs> annoying. I just wanted that movie to end. Oh my God. I just wanted, like, you remember how I said that I really really liked how in the opening credits they used part of the original score from the 70s version. Totally. When they called that back late in the movie, I was so angry because I'm like, this movie does not deserve that soundtrack. <laughs> don't call it back. I don't want anything to do with the original. It's a beautiful score. It's beautiful. It's like jazzy, jazzy number that like really worked in the original. And didn't fit at all with what Tyler Bates did in this movie at all. Totally. <laughs> when, it, when it appears in that first opening with you know, as much electronica techno under it as humanly possible. I was like, oh my God, wait a minute. Is that? It is. It <laughs> is. This is, but, but, but this is my thing about this movie is just how of its time it is. Like from the suits everybody is wearing that feels like it should be dated, but it is definitely of the time to, I'm making my money on the internet. Right. Oh, porn sells on the interwebs. I made my first million with the startup. And I'm like, oh my God, you do realize by 2001, all of your investors have like left you because the internet startups of this generation were just doomed, doomed. <laughs> You're so right about it being of its time though, because this really reminded me of Mission Impossible 2. Oh, yeah. You go back and you watch it and you're like, oh, this was barely cool when you released it. And and even just a year, year and a half removed from it, it, it started to feel very dated. Well, and then the action scenes in this film are, uh, I mean, they're like, they're not chasing somebody on foot for two minutes straight. We get like a pretty decent car chase. There's some like fun action scenes in a kitchen and, he throws the guy off a balcony and like that, like it's a little bit more of a brutal film because your protagonist is Sylvester Stallone. And at one point has to get into a, a, a fight at a house party with Mickey Rourke. So you get some like really garbage choreography, but everything feels like it hurts, I guess is the best way to say it. Like it's not good choreography at all. It's so funny that you say that though cuz like my girlfriend who isn't into really violent movies at all, she happened to walk through during that fight with Mickey Rourke and uh, and I was like, "Hey, you might not enjoy this. It's like pretty violent." And she sat down, she started cringing as they started throwing punches and then she burst out laughing and she goes, "Um, those punches sound terrible." <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> She's like, "This doesn't even sound like a real fight." And then she was kind of into it. <laughs> oh wow. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I I, I genuinely did feel like they sounded pretty wet if I'm, <laughs> if I'm being honest but it was ridiculous like it, it it's almost like there was no choreography and the camera was doing all the work to spin around them as they were moving and like anytime something quick happened like it was really shitty the weird thing of like giving alan cummings a second chance at the end what why did all these what 
This makes no sense to me. I liked the buildup of the. It wasn't a casino owner in the original. It was a guy who owned like uh, like arcades. Uh, uh, yes, yes. Michael Caine kind of discovers him, and then it's like, hey, I thought you know if I tricked you, then we'd kind of like be on the same page and be attacking the same person. I kind of liked that as a thought because then Michael Caine was just sort of pissed at everyone, and I kind of enjoyed that. In the Stallone version of Get Carter, it kind of defeats the purpose of the character of both Sylvester Stallone and Alan Cummings' characters for him to kind of just get away with it. Yeah, I don't know why he let him off at all. I think that's what I mean when I said earlier that uh, they were working so hard to make that character more likable in the 2000s version. It took the teeth out of him for me, right? Like, if he's supposed to be this anti-hero, if he's supposed to be this bad guy that we root for... He he threw somebody off of a balcony into a into a car and then walked away. Right, like he's shooting people in in crowds. Like the guy doesn't give a shit. No, no. And, <laughs> and and the thing is, the big emotional crux of it is that his niece was raped and drugged and filmed, and it, and it's a really emotional thing that she's going through that she feels like because he's back. He, she's she's working through it. In no way would he let the people off. Nobody's getting off the hook. He He's like now connected to somebody for the first time in forever. And these people hurt her and took advantage of her. No, dead, done. Like that's how that would have gone. It was very strange that the Michael Caine was the more brutal one at the end, making sure that everyone died because his niece at some point was in a pornography film. And I, I don't know what, you know, that said about 1971 and how people viewed pornography. And like, I like I genuinely don't know what they thought of it. Because in this, if somebody was in a porno, the whole thing is pornography. Mickey Rourke is running a porn site. The stigma is lessened. So they had to up the ante and be like, nope, she was drugged. She was raped. Like all of the things. That reveal for, at least for Stallone, was sympathetic. I just don't understand why he, knowing what he actually knows, didn't murder everyone. Totally, totally with you. And now that we're talking about it, I wonder if maybe that's part of why Carter sets up getting killed at the end of the original is if he's cleaning up this mess and he feels some responsibility for having brought some of this onto his family, even just sort of by accident, then I wonder if him setting up to make sure that he's also dead just sort of cleans the slate so that his niece can sort of move forward without any more problems. I wonder if that's sort of what he's going through mentally. Exactly. I think, I think you gotta be, yeah, like that's, yeah. Well, these were interesting movies, man. Certainly the original, but like, I, I think the Stallone Get Carter might be the movie I hate most that we've done for the podcast, which is saying a lot. So that means, if everybody's listening, that Dr. Doolittle is no longer the number one worst thing that Chris has seen. Yeah, because I think I enjoyed hating that movie. Um, weirdly. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> right? Because, like, we've had a lot of fun hating on that movie. Yeah. I don't know that I will ever get that same kind of fun hating on Get Carter. I just I just think it's a bad movie. It, no, it is a very bad movie. I, I, would, I would argue that it is a worse film than Dr. Doolittle, but I will say I will never watch Dr. Doolittle again as long as I live. Get Carter? I'm not going to say no. I'm not going <laughs> to say that it's the last time I watch it. It might pop up again. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I, I never, I, I will never rent it again. But if it somehow is on in my general vicinity, I might sit down. 
But Dr. Doolittle, I will actively, I will, I will find the remote. I will make sure whoever's watching it turns that garbage off. I hate Dr. Doolittle so much. See, I feel like that gives it more merit because at least it's polarizing, whereas Get Carter is just kind of there and, and I don't want it to be. It is just there. That is a great way to put it. It, and it exists in a way that doesn't really understand. I don't know why this exists. I don't know why he's, Stallone would have signed up for it. I don't know why anybody was like, you know what we got to do is remake this Get Carter. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of things I don't understand why this exists as a remake. Well, it goes back to what you said about The Wicker Man, right? Like, why would you do an American remake of this movie? It makes way more sense for it to be a British crime drama than it does for it to take place in America at all. You're right. You're right. It, uh, it, oh God, it's just so terrible. Hold on one sec. I want to see. <laughs> I want to see. Hold on. Maybe you can find us, because uh, I know that, that you're bothered by my dislike of Stallone. Maybe we could find something else that Stallone is in that would fit under our podcast heading that maybe I would enjoy more. <sighs> what about the original Rocky? I feel like you've seen Creed and you like Creed. I'm pretty sure I've seen the original Rocky, but I would have been a kid. But yeah, I haven't seen Creed. Hold on. Hold on. I'm just checking out because I'm very curious. They made this Get Carter movie. So the original, I'm just going to say the original probably did pretty well. It probably was a cult favorite or something so that they would go, you know what we got to do is remake that movie. Like sort of the same way that Ocean's Eleven, like they remade that movie and they restylized it and it was fine. It was better than fine. It was amazing. So the budget on this film, are you ready, Chris? Oh, God. The budget on this film was $63 million. On the remake? It cost $63 million to make Get Carter from 2000. Also filmed in Vancouver, where I now live. So that was kind of fun. That would have been amazing. Uh, What was not amazing was the worldwide gross of this film. Not even $2 million. It didn't even make $2 million worldwide? Not even $2 million. 19.4. So right there, you know, like, wow, just terrible. Just terrible. That is a terrible bomb. Wait a second. We watched, oh, that's right. We watched First Blood on this podcast and you were not a fan. No, I didn't like First Blood. That's right. Okay. So yeah, your Stallone stuff is... uh, I guess, yeah, you don't, and like, I'm assuming you've never seen Tango and Cash, Cobra, or Cliffhanger. Haven't seen Cliffhanger, haven't seen Cobra. The Expendables stuff? Did you, you've seen some of that, haven't you? I think I did see the first Expendables. I didn't enjoy that. Okay, well, then I guess, like, it's just true. You are not a Stallone person, but hey, it could turn around. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, he's in it. And you don't like that movie, but the sequel will probably have a minute. Wasn't there a sequel to Tango and Cash uh, or a remake of Tango and Cash with like um, Tom Hanks? Oh, dear God. Tango and Cash with Tom Hanks. That wouldn't work. Or am I thinking of something else? Tango and Cash. I don't see Tango and Cash being remade. Are you thinking of Turner and Hooch? I am. I'm thinking of Turner and Hooch. Thank you. Turner and Hooch (laughs) is with a dog. Tango and Cash (laughs) is an action movie. From the 80s. These are not even close to related. I'm so glad I brought it up. (laughs) No. Well, they're both cop movies. Tango and Cash are cops. Turner and Hooch are both also police officers. You're incredibly kind, but no, I don't deserve any credit for this whatsoever. (laughs) Next time on We Saw a Thing. 
Chris, before we fly on this podcast, you want to uh, you want to do the fly? Yeah, sure. I haven't seen those. The fly, and then the fly. <laughs> We're going to do the fly. Do we have actors in both movies like we just did with Get Carter? Certainly not. Okay. <laughs> so Jeff Goldblum is going to be in the remake. Don't eat when you watch the remake. Don't eat. You don't want to sit down with the meal. It's pretty gross. Okay, good to know. Maybe it'll scare you. Maybe you will fly out of your pants with fear. We Saw a Thing is hosted by Jay Kennedy and Chris Shapcott. Produced by Shapcott Media. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And check our show notes for links to our social media and credits. And leave a review on Apple Podcasts.